Well, now that I've got my breath back after running up and down the stairs, have you been able to think what it is that's better than when you've remembered something? Well, of course, what would have been much better is not forgetting in the first place. And I think that's why in the Bible, God doesn't just encourage us to remember, although he does that, he commands us not to forget. I wonder, you younger ones, or those of you who can remember back to when you were younger, how many times has your mum, it tends to be mums who do this the most, how many times has your mum called you just as you're leaving the house, or perhaps just as she drops you off at school, and she calls you to remember something that you have to do. Remember to hand in your dinner money. Remember to give your teacher the letter about your school trip. Remember to be back in time for tea. And you call back, I will. And from your mum comes one final shout, don't forget. Because the secret behind remembering is actually not to forget in the first place. And in the Bible, God urges those who know him and love him not to forget. And the Bible is filled with all kinds of examples of the troubles people get themselves into when they do forget. They forget God. They forget his word. They forget his ways. The Bible teaches us that if you do forget, then you can expect that trouble may come your way. Adam and Eve chose to forget the warning God had given them about what would happen if they disobeyed him. King David saw a beautiful woman and then forgot how a godly man ought to live and behave. The priest Eli, he forgot what it means to be a godly father to his sons. Many of the kings of Israel forgot what it means to live obediently under God's rule and to worship him in the way that he had commanded them. Time and time again in the Bible, we meet men and women, entire nations, who have forgotten God. Most people in the world today have forgotten God. And, well, you only need to look around. You only need to open your history books, look at the headlines in your newspapers, and see the trouble that it always brings when you forget God and his word. We live in a world that is filled with trouble because we live in a world which has forgotten God. Now, of course, as Christians, we can never escape those troubles. But we can, even in the midst of this troubled world, be joined back to God so that we may know him and love him and experience his love and care for us. 
In the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, there are 10 verses which speak about not forgetting. And I want to share with you this morning two examples of something which we must not forget and one thing which God promises he will never forget. Well, the first thing is this. Never forget that God alone is God. Now, there are two verses in Deuteronomy, the first in chapter 4, at verse 23, and the second from the chapter that we read, chapter 8, verse 19. Listen to what we read there. Take heed to yourselves, in other words, be careful, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. Now, when it speaks there of perishing, it's talking about that great judgment that will come upon us. It's that perishing from which we are saved through the Lord Jesus. That famous verse in John chapter 3, that if we trust in the only begotten Son of God who came into this world, if we believe on him, then we won't perish, but instead we have the promise of everlasting life. But here we're warned that if we forget God and his ways, if we follow after other gods instead of him, we will perish. Now, one of the first things that we need to understand is an important word that crops up in these verses. We'll hear it again a bit later. And once we understand this particular word, all of these verses really begin to make a lot more sense to us. The word is covenant. And the Bible speaks of a covenant which God has made with people. Now, on Wednesday evening, Chris and Katie got married. At any wedding ceremony, the bride and the groom make promises to one another. And in those promises, they commit themselves to a relationship together as husband and wife. Everyone who is married has done that. Now, they are very special types of promises. You might promise to do something for someone. You might promise your mum and dad that you'll tidy your room, that you'll have your homework finished before tea time, that you're going to clean your own football boots. And if you do it, good, you've kept your promise. But that particular promise is now in the past. You said you'd do it, you've done it, 
And that's it. Promise kept. But what if you promise to tidy your room every Saturday morning for as long as you continue to live with your mum and dad? What if you promise to have your homework done by a certain time every single day? What if you promise to clean your football boots after every training session and game that you play? Well, that would be very different, wouldn't it? Because now your promise is not something that you simply do once and then you can forget it. Now you are committed to keep on doing something all the time and mum and dad can hold you to that promise and keep on expecting you to keep on doing it. Now that is a bit like a covenant. That is like the promises made at a wedding. At the end of a wedding, the bride doesn't go off and go back home with her mum and dad. And the groom doesn't leave and go back home with his mum and dad. And the two of them just carry on living as if the wedding never took place. Of course that's not what happens. Everything has changed because in marriage, husband and wife now live together. And they live in covenant together based upon the promises that they've made. They've made promises now which go on and on and on. And they leave that service as husband and wife, relying upon each other, trusting each other, supporting one another, loving each other. From that day forward, they will live together in those promises. They will live out those promises to each other. They are in what we can call a covenant relationship, a relationship based on promises made and promises to be kept. The Bible tells us that God has made a covenant, an agreement with sinful people so that we may know him and love him because he knows and loves us. It's a very wonderful thing that the Bible talks about. Now, this idea of covenant and these promises that God has given, that begins in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel. Well, actually, it began even sooner than that because God made a covenant with Adam and Eve, but they broke it. But this main covenant it is introduced with the nation of Israel again. And God makes promises to them and expects things of them. The full covenant would be put in place through the Lord Jesus, but we'll come to that shortly. But God enters into this covenant with his people, Israel. God is a covenant God. He gives and keeps promises so that we may know him and love him. And God says, do not forget that he alone is God. And if you would be in this covenant with him, 
he must be first in everything because he is God. You must not love anything more than you love God. You must not serve or worship anything more than you serve and worship God. You must not desire anything more than your desire for God. And if you don't keep this covenant with him, then that is sin. That's why those verses speak of you perishing. And you see, these things are what lie at the very heart of sin in our lives. Because of sin, because we're sinful, God is not first in everything. There are loads of things that you love more than you love God. If you even think of him at all in your sins. There are all kinds of things that you serve and worship more than God. If you even serve or worship him at all. There are all kinds of things that you desire more than you desire God. If you desire him at all, then because of your sins, you will perish because the wages of our sins is death. God would remind you this morning from the Bible, never forget that he alone is God. And secondly, never forget that if you really love God, then you'll really obey him. We read in verse 11 of Deuteronomy chapter 8, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes which I command you today. Jesus when he was in the world, he would go on to say that it's our love for him which is the springboard for our obedience to him. Loving God through the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing what it is that he requires of you by delighting to read and learn his commandments in the Bible. If you turn to the Lord Jesus and stay there and fix your eyes on him. You can never forget him. If you turn to the cross on which he died and stay there and keep your eyes fixed on him, dying there in such agony for you in your place, you can never forget him. If you turn to the cross and see yourself dying there with him and stay there, see yourself dying to sin, dying to your old sinful nature, you can never forget him. If you turn to the empty tomb and see his victory over sin and death, and see him raised in the power of an endless life. 
you can never forget him. And in all of those things, and with an open Bible in front of you each day, how could you ever forget the Lord Jesus? And how could you not have this overwhelming desire to please him by living to his praise and glory in keeping his commandments? Those who truly are his don't forget these things, which is why they feature so prominently in all the apostles' writings that you would live a certain way because you know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. If you really love him, then you'll really obey him. There was once a woman who stood at the feet of Jesus as he was lying down having a meal. It's what they used to do in those days on like a big long couch. And this woman was stood over his feet and she wept great tears of joy and relief and thankfulness. She'd never imagined that someone like her could be loved by God and forgiven her many sins. She'd never thought that God would show the likes of her such grace and mercy and kindness as she had received that from Jesus. How could she ever forget him? How could she not thank and praise and worship him? And so that's what she did in the best way she knew how. And she used her expensive perfume to anoint Christ's feet. You can't, on the one hand, say that you know and love God, but then pay no attention to his commands and teachings in the Bible. Keeping them will not save you, but to forget them, for them to mean nothing to you. Well, that shows that you are in one of two positions. Either you have no thought for God and you have forgotten him, or the God that you claim to know is not the God of the Bible. This is all part of our being in this covenant relationship with God. And that relationship is to be lived out and worked out in our lives every day. So the Bible teaches us, never forget that God is God alone. Never forget that if you really love God, you'll really obey him. And now the third thing is the most wonderful part of all. God will never forget his covenant with you. From Deuteronomy chapter 4, he will not forsake nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them. Now, this lies at the heart of everything. We talked about marriage a little bit earlier. Sadly, 
some marriages don't always last. Sometimes the wife is to blame. Sometimes the husband is to blame. Actually, in most cases, probably they're both to blame. Both are capable of failing to keep the promises they've made. I'm sure most of us can think of promises that we've made to people and we fail to keep them. And here is the wonderful and special thing about the covenant that God has made with his people. He never forgets. He remembered his covenant when he sent Jesus into the world. A saviour and redeemer had been promised. The saviour and redeemer came. A sacrifice which would at last pay in full the penalty for our sins had been promised. One who would be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. One upon whom all of our sins would be laid and by whose stripes we would be healed. A child born of a virgin in Bethlehem had been promised. And unto us a child was born and unto us a son was given and the government is upon his shoulders and his name is called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts has and will perform this because God is a covenant keeping God. And Jesus would declare that in his death and resurrection, a new covenant had been established between God and sinners because of the blood that he has shed in his death on the cross. If you will repent of your sin, and if you will turn by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, you may know the blessings of God's unbreakable covenant of grace. It's his free gift to all who will believe. As a Christian, you will still fail him. He will never fail or forsake you. You may sometimes be to him like a disobedient child and disappoint him. He will never fail 
or disappoint you. You may sometimes grieve him as you give in to sin, sin or temptation. But if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness because he is a covenant-keeping God who will never fail or forsake you. The God who cannot lie has promised that this is so and he's established his own everlasting covenant through his own precious son. For many today, this is a day of remembrance. God promises that he will never forget you. But you must never forget him.